the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty Hall of Fame Tempe Buccaneer fan, baby. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. If you ain't watching, you ain't listening, and you're missing out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast here on YouTube and iTunes. It's been a little while, been about a week and a half, coming up on two weeks. Kind of a slow start to the new year, but you know, the Bucks aren't playing football right now, so what do we really care? But it's good to be back here, guys. I am your host, Red. Evan is not going to be able to be here today, but I do have a very special guest, a pretty close buddy of mine. Pretty cool guy. Not the coolest because he is a fan of the Raiders, but one of the coolest Raider fans you will ever meet, and that is Captain Jack Rackham. Welcome to the show, Captain Jack. How you doing today, my man? Yeah! How you doing there, shipmate? Doing pretty good, my man. Glad to hear that you're doing well. And and guys, a, a little quick backstory on Captain Jack. You know, the Bucks do have Big Nasty. Captain Jack, one of the super fans over there in Oakland. Hell of a guy, but I, I met Captain Jack. I was... uh. I was strolling through the mall one day, the uh, the local mall down here in Tampa. Strolling around, just kind of looking around, seeing who's who, seeing what's what. It had been the first time I'd been to the mall in a while. I stumble upon this store called Pro Image Sports, walk in the door, and there's this grumpy old man in a Raiders shirt. Looked right at him and started shooting the shit. We've been friends ever since. One of the coolest guys I know, Captain Jack. Pleasure to have you on the show, man. Hey, thanks again there, partner. It's... Uh... I definitely can't do my uh, hard, salty pirate voice for an entire broadcast. I only do it in uh, fits and spurts. So you get the normal voice here, and uh, I'll try not to be coughing at you because, unfortunately, I've had some uh, bad bad cough spells recently. So if I do, I apologize immediately uh, right away. There, There is a bug going around totally throughout Tampa. You know, I've had a lot of my coworkers come down with colds. I was feeling something a week ago. I'm pretty sure my younger sister has something going on now. So I'm not sure what it is, but there is something going around, and everybody should, you know, be careful in that aspect. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today we're here to talk about some football. But really quick, you know, let, let's dive into Captain Jack. Let's talk about, you know, let's, let's let Captain Jack introduce himself to you guys because he's going to know more about himself than I ever will. Uh, so... You know, tell us about it, Jack. How 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 did you become a Raiders fan, and, and just kind of how did it grow into into what it is now? Okay, well, those are very good questions. Uh, actually, a lot of people are uh, unique in the fact that they think that I'm actually from California, and I'm not. I'm from Philadelphia, and I was a Raider fan uh, from the start of basically looking. And for professional sports, as a young age, in 1972, I was seven years old. And that's about when you get your big dose of sports as a kid, for the most part, for most people. Uh, Living in Philadelphia, you get to uh, have a love for most of the Philly sports teams. So I'm a big Flyers fan, big Phillies fan. But I tell you, my love for the Raiders, and I am a Raiders fan above all else. My love for the Raiders came from going to school with Kenny Blanda. Kenny is the uh, the nephew, or great-nephew, I'm not sure which, of George Blanda, the Hall of Famer that played for uh, the Chicago Bears and the Houston Oilers, and then he went to the Raiders. And uh, George Blanda is actually the oldest 
uh, person to ever play in the NFL. He was a kicker slash quarterback for the Raiders at the age of 48. So uh, getting a chance to hang out with Kenny and he says, hey, my uh, uncle plays for the Raiders. And, uh, you know, I checked out the Raider games. The Raiders were normally the 4 o'clock game on NBC back in the 70s. And I, I, I grew to love the logo. I grew to love a team that basically kicked everybody's butt and took names. And, you know, when you fall in love with, with a, a team that just, you know, gets your whole spirit of what you're looking for, it's, it's a lifetime passion. And I've been a Raiders fan for what, close to, what, close to 50 years or so? So so you grew up in Philly, and, and you know, you were surrounded by Philly fans, and he is a salty pirate, but I, I don't know. You think you just, you couldn't handle the uh, the abrasiveness that, that Philly fans were giving out? Because, I mean, we've seen what's going on with the playoffs, chugging beer at the Vikings buses. I mean, Philly fans are out of control. I just, I can't see you in that group. Yeah, well, and see, there's a there's Too a classy. Big... There's a big reason why in that is that my father was in the Navy. So in 1974, we moved to Florida. And being a service brat, you know, I kept my allegiances to all of the teams that I had. So I remained a Phillies Flyers fan, but I remained a Raiders fan. And actually being in Florida, living, uh, growing up in Orlando, where most of the teams, or sorry, most of the fans were Dolphin fans at the time, and of course, being a Raiders fan, I, I couldn't stand the Dolphins, I couldn't stand the Steelers, <laughs> so I always kept my allegiance there, and uh, so I just, I, I never, ever got rid of my uh, love for the Raiders. I mean, the Buccaneers came around in 76, but I would never, never trade in uh, the love for my team, and uh, since I got you on here, and I know I got a lot of Bucks fans here, but, you know, I usually call Tampa Bay the faux pirates of the NFL. I really didn't have an issue with the Bucks as a whole until they changed their logo to crossed swords. And at that very time, I, I just said, nope, nope, I cannot stand the Buccaneers. It had nothing to do with the Super Bowl. So, it, so I, you're one of the you're one of the you're one of the people who believes that Bucko Bruce was the answer, the original, you know, the winking pirate with the dagger in his mouth. A lot of people called us the butt pirates at those times, at least from what I had heard. So you, you believe that that logo was the best we could have gotten? Well, I'm just saying is that I had no issue with the logo. The reason <laughs> why the Buccaneers butched up their logo was because a lot of people were making fun of their logo oh, yeah. as as a gay pirate, and you know, again. Not that there's anything wrong with homosexuals. I have to put that out right now, being the PC uh, world that we live in. I, I do have a lot of friends. Uh, I didn't say a lot of friends, but I do have some friends that are that are gay. So I have no problem with the homosexual community. But what I'm saying is that the Buccaneers took that as a slight to them. And so they wanted to spruce up their logo. And when they spruced up their logo, they wanted to go for something that was more uh, threatening and what they came out with was a logo that I, I just despise in the fact that it has cross swords. The Raiders have had a cross sword logo since 1960 when we came when we came out with the Raider logo. I got you. I, I know where you're coming from, and it's definitely definitely a case to be made. I, I feel you 100% on there because I definitely feel the same way. You know, if another team turned around and, say, 30 years from now had another logo of a flag – as their logo it, it kind of 
I, I know where you're coming from. I, I totally get it. Here's here's my end of the bargain. And I know you said it has nothing to do with the Super Bowl, but I'm going to make it about the Super Bowl because I know, you know, it's easy for me to bust your chops, and I'm sure it's easy for you to bust my chops for about a lot of things. Not Both of our teams didn't do too well this season. <laughs> have to have to be upfront about that, so we are in the kind of the same ship. But until the Raiders beat us in the Super Bowl, we are the Pirates of the NFL for now. Negative. 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 Right. Negative. We are going to save that discussion for another time. Let's jump into what we came here to talk about, and that is... I'm going to just say this real quick. Three is greater than one, shipmate. I can't argue with that, but... But... 2003 was a lot more... Re you know what? Never mind. Let's talk about... Let's talk about the Gruden situation. All right, we'll, we came in. We'll spar. We'll I got I got my saber ready. Oh man, we came in here to talk about the Gruden situation, and I know you. I, I know I told you guys a couple episodes ago that we weren't going to talk about it, but you know, right now we're given a perfect opportunity. We have an Oakland fan, one of the biggest Oakland fans you're ever going to meet. He's going to give us the ins and out of how he feels and how the majority of Oakland fans feel about John Gruden coming in and taking Jack Del Rio's spot as the head coach for the future. Now, we've pretty much laid it all out on the line here on the show the past couple of episodes. We've been following the John Gruden rumors, and then we followed John Gruden going back to the Raiders, and, and the thing that hurts the most, man, the thing that kills me, is that if John Gruden wins another Super Bowl with the Raiders, the Bucks are no longer his team. Well, and, actually, and, I'm, I'm going to tell you this before we get got into this. When John Gruden was here in Tampa, and he was a coach for the Bucks, I have it on very good authority, and this is not a lie, this is the absolute truth. I had an uh, air conditioning repairman that went over to John Gruden's house to do repair work on his air conditioner, and I can tell you wholeheartedly that John Gruden was wearing a black and silver Raider shirt when he was met the guy at the door frame. As so he was coaching in the Tampa. love for the and he was coaching in Tampa. The love for the Raiders has always been there with Gruden. Oh, and that's you know that's well deserved. The Raiders were the first team to really give him a shot. He took him as far as he could. You know what? What? How long ago was it? Now was it? 16 years ago, 15 years ago, the, the tuck rule scenario, we're not going to... 16 years. 16 years. 16 years as of, I believe, a couple weeks ago or maybe actually, even a week as ago. Of a, actually, not even a week. It's been uh, less than a week. It's been about uh, about five days. I'm, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to salt the wound here, buddy. It was a fumble. I agree with you wholeheartedly that it Tom was. Brady did fumble that football. To this day, it was a fumble. It it was was a fumble. fumble. But, you know, John Gruden came in took the Raiders organization, took them to the championship game, very well won them that championship game as it was stolen away, came down here with the Bucks, did the very same thing next year but won the Super Bowl. The Raiders were always the first team to really open their arms to John Gruden and give him that shot, so I can totally see the love, but the story you just told me uh, about the about the Gruden polo, that kills me. That really... it, it's true, it's true, and it's like I, I had the... I had to like because uh, why is the why is this guy going to tell me something like that unless right you know, it actually like, didn't happen you you don't really it's hard to make something like that up exactly especially exactly. if you are firsthand there you know you're going out there for your job it's not like you ran into him at a bar 
And because I can walk into anywhere and say, yeah, I ran into Jan, uh, John Gruden at the bar and he says he's coming back to Tampa next year. That's anything you can make up. But if you have, you know, a solid, a solid foundation of evidence like that story there, totally. That's why it's just it's so hard to so hard to swallow because the impression down here, especially as the rumors were starting to 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 heat up. Coming around October, November, the Bucks were losing. Gruden was slowly but surely creeping his way into that picture. And the Glazers did attempt to make something happen. Didn't end up happening. He went to Oakland. But the the idea we all had down here was, oh, well, he loves Tampa. You know, this is his team. This is his city. His wife's here. His kid's growing up here. He loves it. He's not going to move. Ten years and a trip to Oakland, $100 million, man. He'll, he'll take off. But... I'm not saying he's a sellout by any means. Again, the Raiders are probably the only other choice he would have had. If we got to be realistic here, things didn't work with the Bucks. The Raiders were there with open arms again, and they made something happen. We didn't make something happen, and that's on a side note. That's where I can respect the Raiders and the organization as a whole. That's why the Raiders are definitely you know one of my top AFC teams to root for because they are committed to winning. I, I gotta say the Bucks. Could have made a move on Gruden, didn't make a move on Gruden, which shows that they are not 100% committed to winning. So good on you guys for picking up Gruden, but how are you feeling? You know, the pros and cons, because I've, I've seen you voice your opinion plenty of times on this hiring Gruden coming into a long-term deal. It's going to be a long 10 years if it is 10 years, but how are you feeling, man? Well, and I'm glad you uh, glad you had a chance to, to remember the key words are commitment to excellence Stated by the godfather, the boss, Al Davis, commitment to excellence is everything. And Mark Davis said it best in his uh, press conference uh, announcing Gruden at the hiring that John Gruden has always been his choice to lead the team. He was very close with Gruden when Gruden was coach out there. And for Mark Davis, there was no other choice. And for those that were, and it's really, uh, it's kind of like a sidelight, for those that are cracking on the Raiders for not following the Rooney rule, which in <laughs> itself is hypocrisy, because Al Davis hired the first black coach in the modern NFL. He hired the first Latino coach in the modern NFL. He hired the first woman CEO in the modern NFL and for somebody to say that the Raiders didn't follow the Rooney rule they can just kiss my tuchus okay there's been no <laughs> there's been no other organization that has been more forthright and forward in equal opportunity than the Raiders in fact with uh, with Al Davis uh, drafting a quarterback in the 68 I believe his guy's name was Eldridge Dickey. And in the second round, he comes and gets uh, Kenny Stabler in the second round. The point is that as Al Davis has always been positive about equal opportunity and equal rights. So people that said that the uh, the Raiders <coughs> excuse me, didn't follow the Rooney rule, again, I can show you a, a, a picture of my nice, not quite white butt, but you can kiss it all day. Now... <laughs> Getting back to point on the hiring, for those that know me and that have listened to my, uh, I guess, uh, webcasts with uh, other folks. Speaking of which, uh, really quick, if you want to uh, tell the people where they can find you, the name of your show, all that info, 
Uh, this is totally your chance to plug it here. Well, I, I'm going. I'm. I can't really plug my own right now because it doesn't really exist. I do plan on getting a podcast of my own upcoming. Uh, so look for it. Uh, it will probably be on Blog Talk Radio. It'll be Captain Jack's Raider Galleon. That will be the. Uh, that will be my uh, podcast over on Blog Talk Radio. Upcoming after the Super Bowl. So th- you'll see me there. Also. Be sure to catch me on Facebook at J Captain Jack Rackham, and Rackham is spelled R A C K apostrophe E M. So yeah, please, I I enjoy talking sports just like you. So if there's any opportunity to just talk sports, I'll be more than happy to be on with you and you on with me. So we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun talking sports. That's for sure. Oh yeah, gonna make some noise for sure over the next year, man. Should be a good one. Definitely so. Now I'm sorry, I. I the old, the old salty pirate forgot what he was talking about. What, what was the last comment? <laughs> we were uh, we were on the pros and cons of the Gruden hire. Ah, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. For those that have seen me espouse before, I, I wasn't a big proponent of Gruden being hired. Now, I love John Gruden. In fact, if you go to my Facebook page right now, it's a picture of myself and John Gruden together when John Gruden made an appearance here at the U.S. Central Command where I have a chance to work. And I can tell you that when he saw me in all my Raider gear, and it, granted it wasn't all the Captain Jack gear, but it was a Raidered out Captain Jack that got a chance to talk with him, and and you know uh, just he, you could see it in his face, the sheer I don't want to say I don't know know if it was joy or happiness or just it, he just loves the silver and black, so you can tell that he was looking to come back when when I heard him. In that leadership conference uh, back in the preseason, it would have been like August or September, and I wrote an article about it uh, when I was when I was writing for uh, Raider Nation Times. It was called, you know, John Gruden is back, and I asked him personally, and other people asked him personally if if he ever had the inkling to come back, and he basically stated in no uncertain terms that he does. All of the actions and all of the study and all of the film breakdown and all the things that he needed to do that he does for his quarterback camp and for the uh, the fired football coaches of America. He's been coaching without a team for at least the last 10, 15 years. OK, and well, OK, my, minus minus that whenever he got whenever he lost the Bucks. So w- w- since he's been a non Bucks coach, he's been coaching without a team and. and- you know, something really quick just to point out, it was the point that we had made on the show while people were uh, against Gruden, and people have their opinions, everyone has a right to their opinion, but when you look at John Gruden from a coaching perspective, the argument was, well, the game has evolved, John Gruden's not going to be able to jump back in here and coach the same team that he was able to coach 10 years ago, but when you hear that John Gruden wakes up every morning at 5 in the morning, watches film with his morning coffee, goes and does his daily work and then goes home and watches film just to swallow that up and watch more film. The guy is serious about what he does and an excellent point that you made, you know, he was coaching without a team for 10 years. So he has definitely had his hand at least in being able to watch how the game has evolved between when the Bucks let him go to when the Raiders hired him just a couple of weeks ago. And that's what we're here talking about now, but a great point, man. And actually, in the fact that, uh, well, John wakes up at 317, by the way. 317. 
317. Unless he's changed that, uh, it was 317 every morning, and he was usually in the Raiders headquarters facility by sometime after 4. So, yeah, Gruden gets up early, he breaks down the films, you know. So he's been there. Now, here's another thing. And, again, I was not a proponent for John Gruden, and not because of saying that the, the game has passed him by, because that that's that's ridiculous. The game has not passed him by. Gruden, for the last 10 years, has gotten more insight to the other 31 NFL teams, or exactly. actually 32, because he's been doing the games, and he's been doing the layouts, and he's been doing the cut-ups to all of the people that he's had a chance to talk with. He's gained more insight into all the other teams in the NFL. It's like he was a spy, but getting things for free. So he knows what's going on, and he he knows how to tweak things in his favor. And that was where I was kind of coming around to, okay, uh, to me, and the reason why I was not a proponent to begin with was Gruden is a very conservative coach. He's always been to a point where he'll get the lead and he'll take the foot off the pedal. And it was frustrating as a Raider fan to see all of these games where we were winning and had the lead or would come back and have the lead and John would take the foot off the gas. And, you know, there's a lot of games where the Raiders might have lost in the end because John just did not finish the opponent. It took Bill Callahan with the team that Gruden built to go to a Super Bowl to make that offense what was phenomenal, to have Rich Gannon as an MVP for the NFL, and to go up against the only team that was going to beat the Raiders that year was a Bucks team where Gruden knew all of the insides and outs of the team that he was coaching against with a defense built by Tony Dungy. I mean, and I've said it. Yikes. <laughs> Laying it all out on the table, but... You know, it is it is something you have to look at. Gruden coming back in the NFL, just like you said. He has such a good idea of what's going on. Spent so many years in the booth. A bird's eye view. He wasn't even watching the game from the sideline. It was like he was watching the game from the top of the stadium. Like you said, again, he was able to draw everything out, plan everything up, cut everything up, see what was going to happen. So now he has a very good idea of what he's going to be coming into. And that's why I get so frustrated when I think about how the Glazers missed the opportunity. And by missed the opportunity, they didn't take the opportunity. Talking about John being conservative, letting his foot off the pedal, the Glazers are probably some of the most conservative owners I know in football. These guys don't really want to make any moves. I know it hasn't been about the money for a little while. That was more of an issue we had maybe five, six years ago. But when you have a guy like that, like John Gruden in particular, someone who has such a good idea of what's going on in the game of football, he's been there before, he's done it before, he's got a Super Bowl on his resume, obviously against the team he coached the year before like you did bring up, but regardless, the Super Bowl is a Super Bowl. And two out of four teams in the NFC South have a Super Bowl, and the other two were in the playoff picture this year. Didn't make it, still don't have a Super Bowl. It's a big deal. And the Glazers should have jumped on it when they had the chance because they had the chance and he was ready to come back. And that's what I think that's what pisses us off so much as, as Bucks fans. You know, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter about it because I am glad that he went to Oakland. I'm a huge John Gruden fan. And like I said before, Raiders are one of my top uh, AFC teams. The other one has to be the Pittsburgh Steelers just because of my ties to 
my significant other, I can't exactly, you know, I, I can't exactly get away from that. Um, or I'll get in trouble. But here we are, John Gruden works for Oakland again, and we're just pissed off about it. What I had heard, and what I, I guess, um, I guess what I had uh, initially thought was that Gruden wanted partial ownership and the Glazers wouldn't give it to him. I never heard any, uh, I never heard any concrete evidence that that wasn't the truth. But the way things worked out with Oakland, honestly, I think the Glazers just didn't want to give him that long term of a deal. I think they were looking at something about four or five years. They weren't looking at ten years, and he was either going to get ten years. Or as he did, go back to Oakland. Yeah, and I tell you that nobody other than John Gruden, his agent, his lawyer, and his tax guy know what the deal is with that contract. Oh, and add in Mark Davis and the Raider lawyers and all those people. The only people that know what that contract entails are those people. And it's not going to come out. Now, whether Gruden wanted ownership or not, that's debatable. The point is, is that it would have been looked upon harshly, probably by those in the NFL. And no, there's no saying that maybe when John steps away from being the coach, that he might gain ownership in a in a handshake deal. But you can't have it as part of your contract because these days, you know, the way things are looked upon. It's just the the whole rigmarole and, and the legality is such. It just doesn't make sense. John stated himself that that was hearsay and BS. Whether again, whether it's true or not, that doesn't it doesn't matter at this point. John got, and again, allegedly the contract is ten years, hundred million. Nobody knows what that contract is, right? And nobody knows what the out clauses are on that contract. The point for the Raiders is, is that. John Gruden is the face of that franchise. Mark Davis wanted him to be uh, the uh, sorry the coach of that team because Mark Davis needs to sell tickets to have people sit their fannies in Oakland this year for 18 and wherever they're going to sit, wherever they're going to be playing in 19 because the Raiders do not have a contract to play in Oakland for 2019. And for Mark Davis to have somebody come out to a Raider game, he has to have something to show to the people. John Gruden is loved in Oakland and by the, the majority of their fans that realize that, hey, he was traded by Al. And I, I can go into that story as well at, at, a, at a, additionally at a later time. But I believe him when he said that he didn't want to leave. I do believe that. Right. The point is, is that Raider fans love Gruden. I've warmed up to the idea of John being the coach because the other thing that I said was it's not just Gruden. It's who Gruden brings to the table because Al Davis historically did not pay a lot of money for his coaches. But has so, he has he brought forth a, a, a cabinet that's really uh, – I feel like he's brought forth a solid staff with him, ever, all the hires he's made so far. Exactly. Uh, good segue there, shipmate, because I was going to tell you – the coaching staff that the Raiders have on hand right now is probably the best coaching staff that I remember in years. Okay, Del Rio came in, and again, hats off to Jack for at least uh, spicing up the Raiders in the uh, coach that wanted to be there. 
But reading all of the reports about the later years or about this year in particular, about the dissension in the locker room, about how Mike Tice was a divisive force, how Mike Tice got Musgrave fired because he wanted to elevate Downing because he didn't like Musgrave, how Del Rio definitively kept Ken Norton Jr. on for far too long because he didn't want to fire him, how Del Rio, when he got his contract, became a 9-to-5 coach and was lazy as hell. All of these things are coming out later on. So when you hear about such things, you know, see you, Jack. I mean, it's it, it was great while you led the team from seven and nine to twelve and four to six and ten. No, shipmate, you got to go. And yeah. and we needed a good coach, and we got one with Gruden because it's not just Gruden. Paul Gunther is going to be an excellent defensive coordinator. Uh, Rich Bisacci, who was his special teams coach in Tampa and for the Cowboys, is a great special teams coach. Of course, John Gruden is the de facto OC, but you bring in Greg Olson, who he works well with and who works well with Carr because it was Carr's first OC. And I think that Olson will be a, uh, a, a good addition to that staff just as long as he is a helper because as an offensive coordinator, Olson left a lot to be desired. So hopefully between Gruden and Olson that they can get things square them away. You look at the rest. You look at the rest of that staff with who they're bringing in. Ansley, the defensive backs coach, who had accepted a position to be a head coach in Colorado State and, and said, "No, no, no, I'm going to go join the Raiders." You got Lippincott as a linebackers coach, and of course you got Tom Cable, who is a stalwart offensive line coach. Even though I'm not really uh, enamored with the zone blocking scheme. Cable is a fantastic coach that can teach both zone blocking and power and plug and pull, you know, a bunch of different things in that staff. So you got all of those things together. You got fantastic guys coming in. The Raiders kept two of their younger coaches from uh, Del Rio staff because they were coaches that were worth assault on the younger side. And again, everybody else that's come in on this staff is going to elevate that team. The Raiders have finally figured out that not only do you need to pay the players, you need to have a good coaching staff. And that's why I'm thinking with Gruden and that staff, it's going to be a very good year or two or three or ten for as long as he wants to coach for the Raiders. And, you know, really quick, last thing we'll talk about the Gruden and then we will move on. Uh, but back to bringing in that stable of coaches and, and guys who can come in here and do their jobs and be great coaches to the players who are getting well endorsed for what they're doing. You know, you guys have the talent on the field to back it up. Navarro Bowman came into that linebacker spot, was a force this year. Khalil Mack always doing Khalil Mack things, obviously. You know, the talent on the field to back it up is exactly what you need. And I, I think looking back at the Bucks season, that's that's what went wrong for us this year. Beginning of the year... I got to say, because I remember coming in and talking to you about it beginning of the year, right at the end of the offseason, right around the draft. We just picked up O.J. Howard in the first round, and everybody was like, what the hell? But we picked up O.J. Howard first round, scoped out some really good talent in the later round. Justin Evans came around. Chris Godwin, hell of a player. That guy is going to be something next year. But aside from all that, beginning of the season, Bucks fans looked at the talent we had on the field. And I got to say... You can lie, but I don't think there was a single Bucks fan who was a hundred percent on the coaching staff that we had. Um, Todd Munkin not really doing an awful job as offensive coordinator, but he could barely do his job with Dirk Cutter taking all of the play calling responsibilities, which isn't something that's going to change in 2018. But you know, it's a year to put up or shut up, so we'll see what happens. Um, Mike Smith, last year, Bucks were 
last year for the stretch of games that the Bucks won, the five in a row that we won two seasons ago, uh, including Kansas City and Arrowhead, which I'm sure was great for you to see, and the Seahawks here, as well as a couple other games as well, the Bucks statistically had the best defense in the NFL under Mike Smith's scheme. This year, that fell apart as we saw. And again, coaching. That's what it all came down to. We had all the talent in the world coming into the season. Deshaun Jackson was a big move. Chris Baker in free agency was also supposed to be a big move, but he's really just been a big waste of time, and I'm pretty sure he robbed us for 33 mil in three years, but we'll see what happens here. But just got to look ahead and, and got to be hopeful about it. But talking about Gruden really quick, this is the last thing I'll ask. Gotcha. Do you think Davis, do you think Mark Davis made the move? Do you think he was sold on John Gruden for so many years because now now they can go and get haircuts together? <laughs> <laughs> Got to say, man, we've made so many jokes about the, the Mark Davis hairstyle. I'm sure you've heard it before. Oh, but it sets itself up so beautifully. I love the picture um, of that Gruden press conference. There's one particular picture that I had seen. You know, Gruden's on the mic addressing questions, talking about what's going to happen with this Raiders team in the future. And you kind of see Mark Davis off to his uh, off to his side, and he's just he's looking at him like like a like a son watches their dad build something. You know, he just has this look of awe on his face, and I, I love it. I, I really do love it, but. You know what? I'd rather be in a situation where he we have a funny-looking owner who makes great decisions than some guys who focus more on their Manchester United soccer team than their NFL football team. But that's all we got to talk about Gruden today. And, guys, that's probably going to be the last we're going to talk about Gruden. This is the final nail in the coffin, and I've got a Raiders fan here to pretty much take the conversation to his show once it, uh, once it gets going. So this is the last you'll hear of Gruden on the Cannon Fire podcast, unless something drastic happens. But... Unless something see. happens and your Buck fans want to talk Gruden, be sure to tune in and hang <laughs> out with me, and we'll talk Gruden all day long. Oh, yeah, man. Definitely, guys. Uh, like he said before, <laughs> Captain Jack Rackham. You can find him on Facebook at J Captain Jack Rackham. He does live streams, Raider live streams, every once in a while. I know he would do uh, kind of do a halftime update on the games, do a post game, you know, do a weekly show every once in a while. You'll pop in, talk about what's going on. Really good community to be around, good conversations to be had. I love popping in there every once in a while. But let's focus on the big picture here as we are getting closer, coming off the heels of an NFC-AFC championship weekend that was really not what I was expecting. I knew the game between the Jags and the Patriots was going to be pretty solid, but let's talk about this Eagles-Vikings game. 38-7. I mean, the Eagles really put the whooping on Minnesota. And do you think it's because they disrespected the Rocky statue? Is that what, is that what happened since, you know, the Vikings fans came in and vandalized the Rocky statue and some other things going around? That's well, what, that's where the, I, I the no mercy you, rule came from. Yeah. I, I tell you, I don't, I don't think that was anything that had to do with it. If they uh, did actually, it's the first time hearing about it because again, I, I, I kind of tune out if it's, very little that if it's not Raider news or directs me uh, uh, in that respect, you know, I hear things, but, you know, I tell you, if they went up and they disrespected the Rocky statue, then, you know, you're yeah, going they, to they piss dressed, off. They dressed it up in Raider on Vikings gear. Yeah, that, that, that definitely will, will not play well in Philly or Camden, Jersey, Trenton, the entire area there, because it, it's just going to, you know, that's the fan base. You're going to piss off the fan base. Like I said, I'm a Philly boy, and I know, 
and uh, we discussed this offline, that Philadelphia is the only place that Captain Jack will not wear his gear. Let's let's talk I, about that really quick. Let's jump into depth about that. Not Okay, the main reason is not because I'm afraid of Philly fans. No, 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 no. I'm not afraid of Philly fans because Raider fans roll in droves as well. We have our posse together. I have no problem going into Philadelphia with my buddies of groups of Raider fans. But I'm telling you, Philadelphia fans as a whole are known to be the biggest a-holes. And again, I'm trying to keep my my tongue for SEC regulations here. They can be the worst group of fans that you'd ever want to go to a game. They throw things. They 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 throw the beer. They throw batteries. They throw uh, snowballs. The they the throw everything. And they will do everything they can to just make your entire experience unpleasant. Now, I'm going to quantify this that say not all Philadelphia fans are the same. Okay? So just because you see all of this on video, okay, does not make the entire whole that whole. But oh, I, yeah, I know, a, I know some, a large some majority, A large majority of them are going to be a-holes. I'm going to tell you that. Because I lived in Philly as a kid, like I said. So I won't go to any Philly games dressed as Captain Jack because... I got too much money, time invested in my gear, my <laughs> my uniform as as a as a Raider captain. I got too much in, money invested in this to let some a holes get it all soused up with nasty beer and eggs and all sorts of crap that I'm not gonna you know be able to take out in the cleaners. I wouldn't give them the time of day. And be, besides. In Philly, if I'm going to go to a game in Philly, I'm going to go see the Flyers or the Phillies play. I ain't going to go watch an Eagles game. <laughs> now, uh, really quick about the Eagles fans, and you know they bring those things into the stadium, as you said before, the batteries, the eggs, the the warm beer that they serve up there. Um, how do they get a lot of that stuff into the stadium? I I don't know. I mean, people people have been uh, sneaking things into the stadium forever. You ever so heard of just, uh, You ever heard of keistering? Heard of what? Keistering? Key, oh, uh, well, uh, I can figure out what that is. So, um, <laughs> and I guess those wands aren't working from uh, that the uh, security guys have up front, which which is uh, considering that the TSA should have issues with that, or people that are doing, um, shall we say, anti-terrorist activities. That that's frightening. That just stay out of Philly, guys. Just stay out of Philly. <laughs> It's a war zone up there right now. One last thing we'll say about Philly before we move on to the Super Bowl. There, there have also been some videos going around. I know you said you try to try to tune out of that stuff as long as it isn't Raiders, and I'm on the same ship with you. I barely watched any playoff games. The only one that I really sat down and watched was the Jacksonville-Buffalo game, the 15-10 shootout of the two mediocre quarterbacks. But there's a lot of videos after the Phillies uh, – or Phillies, after the Eagles win over the Vikings. Have you seen them, man? People yeah. are riding on cars. People are getting oh, hit yeah. by subway trains, running yep. through the streets. It's a yeah. scene. It, 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 like I said, folks, if you're going to go to Philadelphia. And these guys didn't even win the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, but again, it's the closest that they've gotten to the Super Bowl now that they are actually in it in years. Remember, um, Philadelphia. Remember last time. Philadelphia has been to two Super Bowls, of which they've lost both times. They lost to the Raiders 
in Super Bowl 15, 27-10, and they lost to the Patriots the last time that they played them. I don't care what the score was because, again, it's not a Raiders game, but they did lose <laughs> to the Patriots. So it's one of those things where Philly fans are just aching for a Super Bowl win because people say that Philly has never won a championship, and that is not right. Philadelphia, the Eagles were the NFL champions in the days before the Super Bowl. So you youngins out there, there was football before the Super Bowl. Okay? The Eagles have a championship. The Lions have a championship. The Bears have a championship. People that you said never had a championship. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, the Bears do have a Super Bowl win, too, but only the one. Bears. The Bears. So it, it, these people need to remember that there was football before the Lombardi Trophy. So, And uh, speaking of the Bears and that Super Bowl title, uh, if you haven't checked it out, actually, on the channel, one of our first videos back when this was called Another Sports Podcast, we did have a roster, or a, Jesus, we did have a player off of that um, Bears roster, the 85 Bears, Tyrone Keyes, defensive end. He was able to tell us a lot of fun stories about the Bears during that time, a lot of cool things going on. Hate to plug it, but if you're interested, go check it out, man. It is a pretty cool story to be told. So let's talk about the Super Bowl. We are two weeks away. The Patriots are going to be playing the Eagles in Minnesota. The biggest game of the year. Titles on the line. Super Bowl 52. Captain Jack, who you got? Well, I would say because the Eagles are playing 11 on 20, and you can probably figure out what I'm saying by that, the Patriots have gotten every call their way in almost oh God, every man. game that you can shake a stick at. Now, I'm not going to say that the Patriots aren't a talented team. I'm going to say that if you have a talented team and the Zebras look out for you, it's pretty hard when you're playing 11 on 20 to win any football game in the NFL. What so, about? Now, am I saying that the refs have deliberately clouded a game? I can't say that. But what I can say is that if you look at a lot of that is going on, and yes, I'm going to bring up the tuck rule, that since then, since the Patriot quote-unquote dynasty was started by the tuck rule. Brady wouldn't be what he is today if it wasn't for that game, okay? Because then you have the implications of after the tuck rule, they they actually have the videos of them looking at the Steelers and have the video of them videotaping the Rams. Then you go back to, you know, uh, I can't remember which gate it was, with the uh, tape gate or whatever the heck they called it. You know, all of quote-unquote cheating that the New England franchise has done. They got they got a well-coached team. But it's easy to do things when you know that you're going to get every friggin' call in the book. So I'm going to take, unfortunately, the team I despise. Not that I take them, but if you ask me who I think will win the Super Bowl, it'll be New England. However, having said that, the Eagles have been playing over their heads in a good way of being the disrespected underdogs for all of these weeks. They played two playoff games at home 
as an underdog. The Philadelphia defense is nothing to to sneeze at, particularly on their defensive front. They have eight guys rolling through there where they're basically not just uh, the, the starters and the backups. They roll their defenders on the line for the pressure that is just, it's it's phenomenal, okay? Their linebackers are decent. Their defensive backs are def- decent. And to win against the Patriots, you got to put Brady on his ass. you got to pressure him. Tom Brady does not like to play with somebody in his face. He doesn't like to play when somebody has kicked him on his butt. The last two Super Bowls, the Patriots should have lost if it wasn't for a fluke interception or a, uh, you know, what, what happened uh, last time with a, a 28-3? you kidding me? You come back from 25 points? Okay, because the Falcons, I don't say they laid down. They were just stupid in their play calling, okay? So the Patriots, their last two Super Bowls should have lost. So... If you put that with the fact that they lost to the Giants, the one before that, the Patriots are successful a game. Unfortunately, they got five wins. They also have a lot of defeats. Yeah. The point being is that if you're if you're doing things such as putting money on games, and again, I'm not. I do not espouse gambling. I do not gamble <laughs> because I don't have enough money. Uh, on purpose to be giving it away if I lose, okay? Exactly. Depending upon depending upon what the spread is, and again, I, I don't care, I don't know, because again, I don't gamble. But most people are going to pick the Patriots because of those intangibles. But I tell you, if anybody can beat those damn Cheatriots, the Eagles are a very capable team to do it. Because Peterson is a fantastic offensive guy, it took Peterson to take this team to the bounds that uh, Andy Reid could not do. And that's why Andy Reid got his butt kicked to Kansas City because the Eagles were a perennial playoff team, but they couldn't do anything. And Peterson is a fantastic coach. They have what people are calling a backup quarterback, but you got to remember that Nick Foles holds the record for most touchdowns in a game. I know because he threw him against the Raiders. Seven touchdowns. Nick Foles is a very capable quarterback that would be a starting quarterback on most teams. He has gotten in sync with his offense. He's got a fantastic tight end in Zach Ertz. Their running game is phenomenal with Jay Ajayi and uh, Blunt as the other plugger. The offensive line has come through when Peters went down their stalwart left tackle. Everybody is playing well. So if anybody can beat those damn Cheatriots, the it's Eagles the Eagles. can. Yes. Now back to what you had said about um, back to what you had said about you know the key to beating the Patriots is stopping Brady. Going back to our week, whatever it was, matchup. It was the Color Rush Thursday night game. I was out at Wing House actually watching that game. The Bucks played the Patriots. Thursday night football, we sacked Tom Brady three times and won that football game. Nick Folk lost the football game. Obviously, if we would have made one of the three kicks that he missed, we would have won the game. But Bucks were the better team that night. And I'm not saying that to toot our own horn, but I'm saying if you can get to Tom Brady, you can win the football game. 
and taking a look at the Bucks' pass rush this year, the fact that we were able to get Tom Brady three times is a miracle. So like you said, if anyone can do it, it's the Eagles. I'm not putting money on it. Don't have any desire to put any money on it. The rest of my family is actually from Boston. Uh, my stepdad and all of that side, my grandparents who live up in Jacksonville, all of them are from Maine and Boston area. So that's all I hear about in, in, uh, in this house is how the Patriots are going to take it home again. And I want to believe that the Eagles can do it. I would like to see the Eagles win. As much as, as much as their fans or a majority of their fans get a bad rap, I've always liked the Eagles and I like to see them do well. They're one of those teams that you don't want to count out. And like you said, man, that front eight or those that front line that they have, Chris Long in particular, these guys are out here making moves and doing whatever they can to get to the quarterback. They are a very capable defense that nobody should nobody should turn a blind eye to. The way Jacksonville held the uh, the way Jacksonville held Tom Brady to the game he had, I think it can happen. I think it can happen. If I'm gonna put my chips on one side of the table, I'm gonna pick the Eagles. I'd like to pick the Eagles. I just I want to mix it up. I want to see something different. So I could be wrong. I don't care. It's going to be a good game. A lot of people think it's going to be a slaughter, but it's not. People hate the Patriots, but the only thing I can say is that all the past Super Bowls they've played in have been fairly entertaining, have they not? Yeah, I would say that uh, if you're looking for a good time and from Boston, then yeah, go ahead and watch the Super Bowl. But I seem to recall... When the Patriots were the laughing stock in the NFL, but then again, I'm an old man. I'm an old man. Oh, I've heard I've heard stories from my grandfather as well. He lived through it. So you know, it it's going to take it's going to take somebody, and hopefully it's the Eagles, to put Brady on his ass and put Belichick into a into a box. Not not literally, because I would never espouse murder, but. <laughs> When Belichick finally, finally finally leaves this organization, when Brady finally leaves the organization, and as people would have been saying, Belichick did not want to get rid of Garoppolo because Belichick knows that Brady is not one that's going to be lasting too many more years. I can definitely see Brady come back for one more, but I really can't see him beyond 2018. So it all depends upon... What happens on this Super Bowl? And it's probably being a Raider fan and let things come full circle. It'll probably take a hopeful Raider playoff team in 2018 to play the Patriots, hopefully at a home game in Oakland, because God knows I don't want to go out to New England. But if it if it's just right that the Raiders go to New England next year for a playoff game and beat those damn Cheatriots, it'll it'll come full circle that what started on a tuck rule BS call for a quote-unquote dynasty against the Raiders and John Gruden would be ended by a game where John Gruden coaches the Raiders to a victory over the Patriots like he had 16 friggin' years ago until the refs came in and gave them the game. Okay, people say, and I'm, I'm going to say this quickly, that the Raiders could have done something to stop the drive and stop the field goal and then eventually stop the overtime. 
yeah, okay, when you know you won the game and you're disheartened, psychologically you're down, and you're down for the rest of the time. So when you're exhausted, when you know you won something and then somebody takes it away from you, the psychological impact is such that it just kicks you in the ass. So right. hopefully so. It'll be the Raiders, hopefully next year, to do the stopping of the dynasty if, in fact, they're – do it hopefully and god knows i hope in two weeks in a super bowl in minnesota and then when the raiders are there in the championship game to end the dynasty they will play the bucks in the super bowl and the raiders and a rematch this time and a rematch for the ages as the bucks will take home their second lombardi trophy to tampa i don't think so if you think that john gruden is going to lose to a buccaneers team Nah, nah, not happening there, shipmate. That'd be that'd be a sight to see, though, wouldn't it? Of all the Super Bowl rematches we could get, I gotta say that would. I mean, probably because I'm a little biased. I'm sure you are as well. But if there were any Super Bowl rematch we could get, that'd be something worth seeing. But we gotta see what happens this next season, and hopefully not, but maybe the season after that as well regarding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we're gonna get there, man. We're gonna get there. It's been a rough year for you and I both. <laughs> well, it's it's been rougher for me, I would say, because again, we were a playoff, playoff team year. that was supposed to that was supposed to be in the AFC Championship game this year, and somebody forgot to tell the Raiders to to stop looking at their press clippings to begin with, and then with all the upheaval on that coaching staff, and you take a a fantastic playoff caliber team to a six and ten moniker, it sucks. I feel you, man. It's e- it's an even it's an even further fall from grace. You know, similar situation with the Bucks two seasons ago, finished nine and seven. This year, five and eleven. Obviously, we didn't have a playoff run. We weren't next in line for that championship game. But when you do go nine and seven after going four and twelve just two years ago, I know how you feel, brother. I feel it a hundred percent. But Really quick before we wrap up the show, we got a couple extra minutes. Let's talk about some free agents making some moves here in the offseason. What are you guys, you know, in Oakland's Oakland's ballpark, what are you guys really looking for in free agency this year? What are the biggest needs? Well, the biggest thing for the Raiders is obviously we're going to be giving Khalil Mack a huge contract because he deserves it. We locked up Carr last year. It's the MAC contract that will be down the pike. And so that's the first thing that will be done. It's not a free agent move, but it's the first thing that the Raiders will do. Now, having said that, the first free agent move that the Raiders need to make is to lock up Navarro Bowman to a good contract two or three years because, again, their defensive coordinator is a linebacker's guy, and he knows the value of a stud like Navarro Bowman. Now, granted, Bowman fell into our laps because the Niners cut him, and it was our game. And he is he is what the Raiders' defense needs. You put a, a stalwart leadership guy that's still not 30 years old back there running your defense. The guy, the guy in in less than a, in like five days when he was picked up as a free agent was calling plays in his first game. Playing for the Raiders, that is a that is a professional, and that is somebody that you need on your roster. So the first free agent move that the Raiders need to make 
after they lock in Khalil Mack is to is to put Navarro Bowman on a good contract and then go from there. Now, we're pretty much okay on an offensive line that was the last year was the talk of the uh, talk of the NFL being the second best offensive line behind Dallas. Both of those offensive lines took hits this year, but we need a left tackle of the future. So that will need to come in the draft. There were some tackles that the Raiders took last year that may or may not pan out, but we'll see. But you definitely will need a left tackle. The Raiders also draft need to get a stud running back because I don't care if you sign Marshawn or actually Marshawn is signed, but whether you keep Marshawn Lynch for another year is immaterial. The Raiders need the running back of the future. I would not go into free agency looking for that. I would get them in the very running back rich draft of the 2018 season coming up. Okay. Other free agent moves that the Raiders should make is whether you draft them or not, they need another cornerback to go on the other side of Gary and Conley, who was their rookie that played all of 15 minutes, I think, last year. So they need another they need another cornerback. Their safeties are pretty much set with Obi coming back from injury. He was the second-round pick last year. They got uh, uh, Carl Joseph at, at the other safety. Reggie Nelson may or may not come back. The one good thing that Nelson has, even though he's lost several steps, is that he knows a Gunther defense, and he's a he's a good leadership guy. Now, there's there was issues about who were the cancers in the Raiders, Raiders locker room. I'm not going to name names because it's your guess and my guess, and we can all throw out names. But there was indications that Michael Crabtree may or may not be back. If he's not back, if he was, quote-unquote, a cancer, then that will need to be addressed. But then again, it's one of those things where Crabtree might have quit on the coaching staff, vice the other way around. So if Crabtree comes back, and I want Crabtree to come back, that's fantastic. If he's a an issue then the Raiders will also need to pick up another wide receiver. I would think and you can get a decent one in free agency, but we'll see. Either that or you're going to have to draft one again. And, right. uh, you know, like I said, you always need a plugger in the middle, probably in the draft, a defensive tackle or a, def- uh, or a rush end, via a uh, kind of like a tween, uh, not a tweener, but like a linebacker slash end to go alongside Khalil Mack if Bruce Irvin doesn't come back. But personally, I want a stud defensive tackle, either somebody like Hurst, Deron Payne. There's several that are coming out of out of college. So I would draft that and use free agency smartly, get guys of good value, plug in the holes as backups and, and spot starters as you need because the Raiders as a core have a really good team. They just need to, to refine the edges and get some extra players via the draft and free agency, and I think we will be set. And again, I'm not saying this because I'm a Raiders fan. I look at the roster analytically, and I know that this was a team that should have been in the AFC Championship game last year, but has fallen down, and with a, a car that comes back that is finally tuned. See how I said that? Car finally tuned. Just for next year. Shop for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> once he comes back and uh, you, you put all of those pieces with him, you get somebody like Sony Michelle in the draft, Nick Chubb maybe, uh, Darius Geis out of, out of uh, LSU. You get a good 
to go with some good defenders. You re-sign Navarro Bowman. You get that contract to Cleo Mack. You get another corner, either in the draft or in free agency, to go alongside Gary and Conley. And that team is ready to go print up at least a a possible invitation to the playoffs because I never assume a good year because you can never assume anything because of injury. Right. But you, you bring that team together with all of those parts that are percolating, getting together under a Gruden leadership. And I tell you, if you're not on the Gruden train, your ass is out the door. If you're not <laughs> working hard, you will be gone. Gruden does not play favorites. I As I said, people... When Gruden was coaching the Raiders years back, and he had a, a kick returner, or sorry, a punt returner by the name of David David Dunn dropped the punt, which allowed the other team to win the game. David Dunn was canned the next day. He was put on waivers. So you know what? If you're not on the Groot train and you are a not an asset to the team, you will be gone. So that is a big change in Oakland. It will be the Groot way or the highway. And in that respect, I'm very happy about it. And taking a look back, coming into free agency and the draft as well, I'll talk about the draft towards the tail end because I've got, you know, some good faith there. But everything we need this year, only one offensive. I mean, obviously we got to work on that O-line, but that's something we'll get to in the draft, and I'll talk about that in a minute, especially if we can't lock down free agency. You're in the market for a running back. Bucks have confirmed Doug Martin's not going to be back next year, and the worst part about that is Doug Martin couldn't produce here, but I guarantee you he's going to go somewhere else and he's going to put up some numbers. He's not going to be leading rusher, but he's going to be doing some work somewhere else, just like LeGarrette Blunt and everybody else who left us a little while ago. All of them already won a Super Bowl. Keeb Tlaib, LeGarrette Blunt, Bradley McDur- is it uh, DJ Swearinger, one of the best safeties in the NFL. Ah, well, best, but... One of the hardest-hitting safeties in the NFL right now. Regardless, let's get back on track about free agency. Bucks need to lock down that pass rush, man. Not a lot of huge guys coming into the playoff picture. Or playoff picture. Free agency picture this offseason. On that front four, Chris Baker was a huge mistake. He needs to turn it around, but I don't know if that's what they're going to be in the market for. But something that... It's something to think about and something that was on my mind. If the Bucks were to right some wrongs... Michael Bennett, Akeem Talib, and LeGarrette Blunt are all going to be free agencies or free agents at the end of this season. Now, if the Eagles go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, I highly doubt LeGarrette Blunt's going to be going anywhere. If the Eagles go to the Super Bowl and they lose the Super Bowl and LeGarrette Blunt has a great game, I highly doubt he's going to be going anywhere. But just something to think about, especially when you think about the lack of depth the Bucks are going to have in the backfield. We've got three backup running backs cycling that starting position and these are guys who can't average more than two three yards a game the garrett blunt would be a great fit i could see him coming back i know he is getting a little older but you know what Uh, he's definitely got a lot of great years in him he's going back to the super bowl to face his old team and he had a career year the year before patriots threw him out the door eagles picked him up and he picked up right where he left off i don't see how tampa at this point could be a bad fit for him but, uh, again, that's all about the Bucks righting some wrongs, and that's all about how the Eagles play in the Super Bowl. So that's something we haven't really had the time to focus on. we got to see how this plays out. But looking at the defensive side of the ball, man, something that uh, a name that someone had thrown out there that I really liked was Byron Maxwell, cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks. 
Obviously, the Bucks are going to need some cornerback help. Brent Grimes, I'm pretty sure he's going to stay another year. Um, his wife had come out and said that he wasn't and that he was going to go somewhere that he knows his worth. But, you know, his wife really does like to run her mouth, and she is an incredible source because not even she knows what goes on in those meetings between the Bucks and Brent Grimes. The guy has age to to stay at least one more year. He produced very well next year, so he could come in next year. If you can get him some help with Byron Maxwell and Vernon Hargraves, definitely definitely grooming himself to be a top one-on-one man-to-man cornerback the way he played this year, I think we'll be all right there. But it is all about snagging somebody in free agency, if not the draft. And the last person I wanted to look at, God, I can't... Oh, I got to Google it. Because I can't remember this guy's name, and I feel bad because I, I really should know the guy's name. Uh, he is a offensive lineman, plays for the Carolina Panthers. He's going to be going to free agency this year. Do you happen to know who that would be? The only ones that, that come to uh, the Cleo brothers, and I don't think it's them. Um, I, I don't, I can't say who you're thinking about, and I apologize for not knowing. Oh, that's uh, all right, brother, you're good. Yeah. Dude trying to see I'm trying to see who it is because he plays I'm googling it right now so we're going to get to the bottom of this but he plays for um, plays for Carolina and he's going to be a free agency at the end of this year and if we can't hold him down or if we can't end up getting anything going with him this offseason then we'll talk about the draft in a second but I really just want to get his name here and the Panthers are all the way at the bottom of this list aren't they dun 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 I can't find his name. Oh, well. So a, a stud from which would be a plus minus, it would be a plus for the Bucks because you're taking them, taking a good guy away from a team in your division, so I got that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, moving ahead towards the draft, like I said before, I have faith in the draft. Jason Light, whether you agree with him at GM or not, the guy's pretty okay at scoping out talent, as we have seen. He's definitely picked up some great talent in the draft. Not all of them have been great. Obviously, Jeremy McNichols didn't work out this year, but that was because of his lack of effort. And then he went to San Francisco and kind of fell off the face of the planet. Don't even think he started a game for San Francisco. But I think Jason Light can do some good this year. But somebody that we're looking at, first round, and my, my gut pick for first round... Got to go to Bradley Chubb out of NC State. Obviously, if Indianapolis gets to him first, that's going to be a different story. But Bradley Chubb has been a hell of a player this year, and the argument against him from what I have heard is that he's mean. But come on now. Come on now. When you've got a mean football player, and this guy isn't, he's not a dick. He's not out here beating women. He's mean on the football field. He's got a swagger about him. Does anybody remember someone named Warren Sapp? Are you kidding? Oh, me? I know about Warren Sapp, the guy that took millions of dollars from the Raiders. Yeah, I know about him. We try not. We we try to forget when he uh, when he jumped ship over to the Raiders, his tail end of the career. But uh, we we try to forget that too. But you know, looking back at a player like Warren Sapp, he was a dick to the media. That doesn't really excuse anything. Bradley and Chubb is a young is. guy. He he was. You know, he definitely wasn't the best guy off the field, but he had an attitude on the field. And he had a bad attitude with wanting to win. And that's what we need. You need someone to come in here with attitude. Because if you can get a pass rusher like Bradley Chubb to compliment the media angel that is Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy is a talented D-tackle when he's not getting double, triple team the whole game. He can produce. But let's be honest here, man. He's getting older. 
the guy can do no wrong in the eyes of the media, which baffles me because he goes off on the fans every other week on social media, but that's that's another that's another story for another time. But I, I like the attitude Bradley Chubb brings to the table, and, and he is definitely definitely a guy you need to be looking at. Now, taking a look at the running back class, because that's obviously something we're going to have to take take a handle on this draft as well if we can't get anything going in free agency because all the top running backs in free agency are going to be as expensive as hell. Le'Veon Bell said he's not going to take the franchise tag with uh, Pittsburgh, so he's going to be wanting a good amount of money. Garrett Blunt, I'm sure he's going to need a good amount of money after going to the Super Bowl. We probably can't afford those guys. So taking a look at the draft, there's a guy out of Stanford named Bryce Love. Is coming back for his senior year, so he's off the table. No way. Way, way, way. When was Bryce this? Love, Bryce Love is not available, shipmate. He is going back for his senior year. When was at this? He, dude, he announced that uh, weeks ago. Oh, I guess I'm I'm out of the loop then. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, to distress your listeners. Oh no, I had to I had to know at one time or another. <laughs> but the the point I was going to follow up to that. Um, you know, the running back this the running back class this year is so deep. I mean, there are so many good running backs, especially when you look at second round, third round talent. None that I can name off the top of my head because I haven't Well, I, I could do that for you. Like I said, the, the, the running back class this year, remarkable. You got Penny out of San Diego State, I believe. You got the the two out of Georgia. And again, the one that I want, Sony Michelle and, and his sh- sh- uh, shipmate Nick uh, Nick Chubb, who would be higher if he hadn't had that injury before. You also have obviously the class of the draft, Saquon Barkley, but he's going to be gone by pick five. I gotta you say, got to say, man, Saquon Barkley's a hell of an athlete, but I, I don't know. I see I see another Jabril Pe- uh, Jabril Peppers situation with him. You remember how Jabril Peppers? I mean, he's had a great year in Cleveland, but he, he did go to Cleveland. Um. But he, he was like a renaissance man in college. He did it all. He played safety, played cornerback. I'm pretty sure they had him in there at running back every once in a while. Linebacker. Jabril Peppers was a renaissance man on the football field, came into the league, and I haven't seen a lot out of him this year. Uh, I feel like Saquon Barkley is the same thing. Nah, I, I kind of disagree there. Now, granted, historically, Penn State running backs don't do well in the NFL. You can go back to John Capaletti that won the Heisman in the 70s. There was a very high pick whose name escapes me was either a first like a number one or number two pick out of Penn State as a running back. Again, historically, Penn State running backs don't do well in the draft. But having said that, Saquon Barkley is a college version of Le'Veon Bell in what he can produce or is projected to produce in the NFL. And the fact that he's shifty, he's got the starts, you know, the stop-go uh, stutter speed. The vision. He's going – in, in my estimation, he's going to be a very, very good running back for whoever picks him up. Okay. I mean, we'll see what happens. You know, neither of us can really tell at this point. Only time will tell. I hope to believe that he does some great things in the league because he's a hell of an athlete. I just don't want to see the same thing happen to him. I, I don't want to see him fade into obscurity. You know, Miles Garrett had a hell of a year for Cleveland. Um, number but one. didn't hear about it because he was on Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you look at Jabril Peppers and the and the numbers that he put up this year. He was solid, but he, he just wasn't. I, I don't know. He's a rookie in the NFL. NFL is different. Maybe I'm looking at it through rose-colored glasses, but I, I just don't want to see Saquon Barkley go to waste. That's what I'm worried about, and that's why I wouldn't want to pick him up. 
You know what I mean? I don't think I, the Bucks I, would be a great atmosphere for him because something we talked about a little bit earlier, a couple of episodes ago, I went on a rant about how the Bucks need to build a winning culture. Back to the Raiders, Raiders have a winning culture, the commitment to excellence. Bucks don't have that. We're used to losing. We're used to firing our coach every two years. That's why it blew everyone's doors off when we kept Dirk Cutter. So to bring a guy like that into an atmosphere like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you have a loose locker room and a lot of guys who aren't there to win, you're only going to bring in young talent to ruin them. And I think that's something you have to get all your ducks in a row before you start bringing in guys like that. So that's just me talking about how he would fit in with the Buck scheme. You know, I just don't want to see something bad happen to him because, like you said, he is a great running back, probably the best prospect in the uh, in the draft right now. Yeah, Bryce Love's going to be great in next draft, but uh, as stated, the the last three Stanford runner runners up for the Heisman, Andrew Luck. Uh, the kid that plays for the Panthers, uh, what's his name? Christian McCaffrey. There you go, McCaffrey and uh, uh, Love were all Heisman Trophy runners-up from Stanford that all came back for their senior year. So again, you're 0 for 3 on on at least that. If you're looking for a Stanford running runners-up from the Heisman, you're gonna those guys historically have gone back for their senior year. Yeah, I got you, brother. Maybe we'll be in the market for a running back next year. Hopefully not, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. The NFL is a crazy place. But ladies and gentlemen, it's been a hell of a ride. It's been a great episode. It's been a pleasure having you here, Captain Jack. But that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Remember, you can find us on YouTube and iTunes if you haven't already. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and leave a five-star review on iTunes. It means the world to us and costs you nothing. And really quick, before we sign off here, ladies and gentlemen, one more time, Captain Jack, where can the people find you, my man? Well, right now, be sure to go to J Captain Jack Rackham on Facebook. Eventually, go to Blog Talk Radio. Look for uh, Captain Jack's uh, Raider Galleon. That will most likely will be my uh, moniker on Blog Talk Radio. Look for it after the Super Bowl, probably in February or I might get it started a little bit early, but uh, probably after the Super Bowl, look for Captain Jack's Raider Galleon on Blog Talk Radio. And I'm actually going to talk to you about how to how to run YouTube videos, so you're going to help me out there, shipmate. Oh, yeah, no problem, brother. I got nothing but time on my hands right now. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening, whether it was on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.